What are you guys doing? What? You done? Just, just making sure. Just not enough time today up here. Don't you, do you ha- ever hate it when people are like in their own world like that? You know, they're like oblivious. They're just like, like I think of those earphones they had. And did you see that? That's funny. I want to share with you the, uh, the memory verse for the series that we're doing. It's about seven weeks, I think. We had to kick last week because of the ice and snow. I told you this week we're talking about life, our life in Christ, the, the unity of who we are in Jesus. And I want to remind you of our, our memory verse for the week. I mean, for the whole series. I'm sorry, for the whole series. And um, I'm, I, last time I had you say it together, this time I'm going to say it to you, but I want you just to think in your mind about what the scripture says this morning as we read it. God's word is powerful and will not return void. We are to meditate on it and, and memorize it and store it in our hearts so we can know it and live it out and be transformed by Christ. So I'm just going to ask you to think about the, what God is saying to you today through these verses. A few verses here from, from the Bible. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I don't know if you try to commit that to memory yet. I asked last time, that the, the, if you remember the word one, you've got like 50% of that verse memorized, right? That... But the reason that we've been talking about this is not just because Paul writes in in Ephesians there that we are one hope, one baptism, one faith together in Christ, but this is actually Jesus's own prayer for us. When I I think about um, that verse and those connecting words besides one, it's all about two people, us and God. When Paul's writing one spirit, one baptism, one Lord, he means us and God through Jesus Christ. And so today, we're going to talk toward the end about the most important, and we've already tried this morning, but the most important step you can take as a believer in Jesus, the one If you ever think, oh, Christianity is so complicated, I don't know what to do, I'm going to tell you today, the one step you can take that will change everything in your life, and I'm trying to do it every day myself, okay? I'm going to ask we pray together. We're going to study from um, the book of John and the book of Galatians this morning. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I didn't always believe that. I believe that that's true, and that's powerful, But it's not a book on a shelf. It's the living word. And I believe that God can help us understand it. And maybe you're there and you're saying, not me, I've read it. It doesn't make any sense. The God who inspired men to write it can inspire men and women to understand it. There's no doubt about it. So we're going to go to him in prayer this morning that he would enlighten us through his word. Please join in praying with me if you would. Father, you are holy beyond measure. Your preeminence engulfs all of creation. Your size is beyond the scope of this earth that we stand on, this small pebble in the sky. All the stars that we see, you spoke into existence. Before anything was, you were. And we come to you today as these very small people in your very big creation, seeking you 
Father, today, through your grace and mercy that is so unfathomable through Christ on the cross, the Holy Spirit brought to us through his sacrifice for our sins, we come to you pleading that you would reveal yourself. Not that you're a God who needs to be begged, but we want you to understand how badly we need you, how desperate we are to know you more, and that all of our stuff in life, we would not be distracted from the truth of who you are. Would you set our minds right today? Would you help us to put aside the things of this world and listen to you, be transformed by you, and learn to live out your word together? We trust you with this prayer. No one else can do it, Father, but you. We pray you would do it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you brought a Bible today, I'm going to ask you to grab it. If you didn't bring a Bible today, that's all right. We got one for you. It should be at the end of your seat rows. Grab a Bible, flip it open. We're going to first hear the verse from John 17. I'm going to give you a minute to open your Bibles up. I think it's on page 754 of our Bibles, if you use one of ours. I want you to get eyes on it. Don't ever take what I say for granted, but search the scriptures and see if it's true. And we're going to just read from this. John 17 is this, this prayer that Jesus prayed in the presence of the disciples. And it's a three-part prayer, but the third part is what we've been talking about. We're going to talk about all this series we're calling One. And it's Jesus' prayer. Oh, since we've had a week off, I want to hear all of it together. And we're going to talk about the very last verse today. My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus says. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Jesus' own prayer for the church. He was praying first for his own glory, and then for the apostles that God had given him to follow and proclaim the good news. Those who were gathered with him, you know the story. And here he prays for believers of all time, and he says at the end, I know them, and they know that I am sent by you. This is the story of our Christian faith. And maybe you're a skeptic, you know? I mean, I'm telling you, as a guy who was a skeptic for so long, I get it. I get it. But the one thing that people say, God is not knowable. How can you know God? And this is exactly what we hear in, in verse 26 of John. Jesus answers this question. I will tell you exactly how you can know God. Did you catch it? I'm going to read it again. I, Jesus says, have made, huh? 
you, God, known to who? Them. Who are them? The apostles and all those who would believe in their message, the gospel. God has made himself known to us. You see, the whole thing breaks down when you think, well, no one can reveal the truth. No one can help me understand the word. No one can answer the questions I have about life, but that's a lie. God can answer those questions in our lives in a very practical way. Prayer is about listening to God. God, what's going on with this? God, I'm struggling with this. And so the first thing I want you to realize as we study John, and then we're going to run into Galatians today, is this. God makes himself known to us. God makes himself known to us. And, and in this case, Jesus says, I, and I love this, and I hope you caught it. He didn't just say, well, Father, I've made you known to these apostles, and they'll have to believe you know, in faith on the message of the men who came before them. That's not what it says. Jesus says, I have made you known to them, and I will what? That's your part, <laughs> right? Continue. I will continue to make... Do you know that worship services are interactive? Not you and you, me, you, God, right? There's this whole triangular thing happening. I will continue to make you known to them. You wonder how you came to faith in Jesus Christ? I can tell you. God you want to know how you finally understood the gospel? I can tell you, God, you know, Jesus says, we have this idea that Jesus did this work on the cross, and then it was like, that's it, I'm done. No, he says, I will continue to make myself known to you. Now, there's a key, right? He says, I am ascending to the Father, and I will send my spirit down to be with you, like, in your life. And believers talk about the Spirit of God, and not even all believers are comfortable with the Spirit of God, but I got news for you. Unbelievers are being prompted by the Spirit of God to submit to the authority of God and believe the gospel. That's the story of salvation. God says, you, you aren't going to get here on your own. I will send my Spirit to you to draw you to me. God makes himself known. I don't know if that feels like good news to you. That feels like great news to me. It means whenever I am desperately in need for some help, God will come and help me understand. He will make, I even said in the prayer this morning, God, would you make yourself known? But he is making himself known all the time. Let's just listen to him. Pay attention to him. Walk in obedience to our maker. This is the truth. God will continue to make, he says it right there, I know you and they know you sent me. 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Why? This is the second point, right? Why would he make himself known to us? Right? So that we can have Christ live in us. Now, if you're an astute you know, uh, student this morning, if you're very attentive to what's happening in Scripture and in the slide, you'll notice that um, the Scripture says, Jesus says, I will make you known to them in order that my love will be in them and that I will be in them. And I put the word Christ up here, not Jesus. Do you know why? It's the same thing. He's the Messiah. He's the holy of holies. He's the eternal God. He is the reality of all things. He spoke everything into existence. Jesus in us. If you ever wonder about that, well, how does Jesus in? That's how, what he says. That I will reveal yourself that I might live in them. See for yourself what Jesus said. 
that I myself may be in them. So there's two parts then that we have here from John in this um, you know, revelation that, that, that Jesus is going to live in his believers. And the first is that his love will dwell in us. His love for the world will dwell in us. His love for himself will dwell in us, right? His, you know, essence, I mean, everything will be in us and coming through us. And we get that. I got the love of God in my heart, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, I couldn't love you without God. But the next thing he says is, more than that, even I myself will be in them. We had an awesome uh, study this morning, and I will just make this connection because God made it for me, that the reality is, and Lance said it this morning, I think Lance did and Carrie, some combination thereof, that the love that we have from God in us is God in us. It's not ours, it's him through us. And this is Jesus' prayer to the Father, that he might live in us. Now, if you're like me, you're going to ask questions. Why does Jesus want to live in me, right? I mean, doesn't he have his own place to live? Remember? Are you guys, you guys like the hour of sleep you needed so bad last night? You know, I'm almost with you. Give me another 45 minutes and we'll be ready. Okay, that, that this baby in a manger had his own physical incarnation. He was perfectly human and perfectly God. He was beautiful in every way, and yet Jesus says, but I'm going to live in you. And it's like, well, Jesus, you got your own space. Why do you want to live in me? Why do you want to live in me? Why do we want Jesus in our heart? Why does Jesus want to get in our heart? Why does he stand at the door and knock? Why did God so love the world? Why? What is up? And we're going to answer this in Galatians Go ahead and turn there if you would. Galatians 5. And we're going to do one, and then we're going to skip to 13. And it's on page question mark, question mark, question mark of your Bibles. So if you got one of ours, I did not help you out there this morning. Galatians 5. This is, answers the question of why. Verse 1 first. This is beautiful. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Listen to the follow-up. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So if you want to know why does Jesus come, he comes to set us free. Oh, one more. There we go. That we could become free. Do you know what Paul says there? Don't let yourselves again become burdened in slavery. Why? Because Jesus came to set you free. He came to release the oppressed, right? He came to set us free in his name and for his glory. And we love freedom, man. If there's something that we love as Americans, we love freedom, right? We talk about it all the time. We love freedom. And so we celebrate freedom. We're going to talk about the freedom that Christ set us free in Picking up in verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Man, I love that. If you want an excuse to be free, God called you in Jesus to be free. People want to kind of weigh you down, and you can just be like, man, God called me to be free. It's my obligation to be free in Jesus. I don't have the choice to be burdened by slavery. I have to be free. I want to be free. I'm going to be free. Why? 
It's God's call in your life. Funny to me, a lot of conversations I have with people are about fear. A lot of the conversations I have in my own head are about fear, not freedom. Fear. It's the exact opposite. Christ didn't call us to fear. He called us to be free. Free in him. Check it out. My brothers, you were called to be free. Now, but do not let your freedom indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So it's not just a matter that we were called to be free and we're like, woohoo, no more responsibility, no more problems. Life is good and I'll take care of myself and Jesus and heaven and we're out. I'm done, right? I mean, that's some of the easy believism we've preached. Man, you're free. That's it. You're out. He says, no, don't use your freedom for, to indulge in sinful desires. Check it out. But use your freedom. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was, dang it, I blew it now. Are there any youth here that went to, to um, Dare to Share? Any youth? Any? There. <laughs> Do you remember the dude who was like the gnarly, like, surfer? What's his name? Zane. And what was his favorite? What was the L in gospel for? Do you remember it? Huh? I can see it. Do you remember it? He's like, it was his, huh? Yeah. It's life. Remember? He would be like, it's life. This guy's so full of life, he, makes, he scares you. He's, he's an extreme sport when he's on a stage. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need a mountain. You don't need a cable. He's just like, this is awesome. And he gets it from this verse, John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have true life and have it to the fullest. Have it coming out of all of your orifices, just loving life, full of life. Christ called to make us free. All right, so we're going to press on. Not just free to be free, though, but check it out. Free to serve in love. Free to serve in love. And that's exactly what the word says. Read it with me. Rather, serving each other in love. I want to talk about two things about this. And this is amazing to me. But the word love here is agape. You guys might know agape fest is coming up. Big changes this year, right? But it's the love of God through us. Strike, strikingly, the word serve here is slavery. Now, you might not like that. I thought it was me diakonos, ministry, you know, being a good pastor. I thought, oh, it's going to be diakonos in the Greek. No, it's not. It's doulos. It's slaves, right? And so what, it could be translated like this very directly. Through God's love, we are slaves, like, through God's love in us, we're slaves to others. We serve others. We are free to serve others. And that's an amazing thing. We're set free to serve in love. I, I, I don't even know how to begin to unpack that, really. Because if, if you know the love that Christ demonstrated for the world when he, 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 he served us, it's excruciating. And yet he says we are called to be free, to be slaves in God's love. To continually, what would it say, die to ourselves and reach out to others. To let the gospel transform us for the world. To be God's ambassadors, bringing a good news message. Free to serve in love. And this is like from the very, you know, from the most minute thing in your life to the most extreme thing in your life. It's, it's all inclusive. It's not like this is how you serve in love. It's like just being God's 
you know, presence, letting him work through you in love. Well, you can see I'm out of words for that. How do you even say that? What do you even do? Give me the program, Bill, and I'll do it. Give me the four steps, man, and I'll go put them in action this week. You see, but it's more than that. It's more than that. We're going to get to it. We're set free. Now, check this out. This is crazy. He says it right there. Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, right? And so we're free to serve, but not practicing sin. Not practicing sin. And that's kind of crazy. Do you know that we practice sin? We rehearse it. You know, we kind of listen to it a little bit and then listen to it a little more. We, we start out kind of small. Oh, all I can do is this one little, oh, hey, that, that's getting pretty big, you know? And we play with sin. In 1 John, it says that no one who knows the Father and has the love of the Father in him will continually sin. And if you read that verse and you go like, oh, I'm doomed, man, because I, I feel the sin all the time, and I feel the sin all the time. But it doesn't mean that you don't sin anymore. It means you don't continually sin. You don't practice sin. Now you go, I, I don't know, I thought, man, Paul, why you got to put that in there? Just put it in there about the loving and serving and the fruits of the Spirit we're going to get to. And let's just talk about the good stuff, not the bad stuff. But Paul says, no, we have, we have a choice what we're going to do with our freedom. Here's what's striking about it. The truth is that this idea um, that we're going to get to is, is um, practicing sin, but the, 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 work, the word is um, amorphe. Uh, forme. I knew I was going to say it wrong. You don't care about Greek, do you? But what I meant was this. I don't. I care about Greek. I'm sorry. It's like a launching pad. You know? Like, like the rocket is on the pad, and it's like five, four, three, two. That's what he says, man. He says, don't let freedom become your launching pad for sin. And what he's saying is there's a real danger here. That when you're free, you, you find yourself being free to sin. How would that really work in your life? Right? How, how, would, how would it work? Let me, I'll, I'll throw one example out. Many times, we grow up in homes with parents who just control everything we do. Anybody grow up in a house like that? I can't stay out all night. I got my license. I can't drive where I want. What is going on with this house, man? I'm so sick of it. I want to get out of here. I want freedom. You know what I mean? And then what happens? You go to college. And you're free, baby. <laughs> right? And you use your freedom for, as a launch pad for sin. There's nobody's going to stop me. Mom and dad aren't here. This is crazy. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to go to class. I don't have to register on time. I don't have to pay my bills. <laughs> right? Then you should back up on your doorstep with a bag. <laughs> you know, I did. Only me, <laughs> right? Is that just me? <laughs> you guys? You guys are such good students. No, like you find your, and you're like, wow, I can do anything. It kind of happens when you get your license, doesn't it? I'm going to run the store for you, Mom. I'll run the errand for you. Hey, friend, get in the car. Hey, e-brake. I don't, don't do that. Don't e-brake when you're driving and spin your car around in circles. Don't. 
No, right? Uh, you find some freedom, and then you use it to indulge your sinful nature, right? All right, fine. So we survived the college years, man, and we regret our mistakes. And where else, you know? How about new job opportunities? I got a new job now. I'm not sure I need anybody anymore. I'm on my own. I make my money. I do what I want with it. How about you're in a marriage and you have that opportunity. You start to feel pretty important. I'm doing more than you are. I don't really need you for this. I'm good. Oh, yeah, when we were really poor and starting out, we needed each other. But now, I, I'm, I'm good. I can do this on my own. The launch pad for sin. Freedom can be. And you would not think, and I would not think, that this context, would, that, that Paul's talking about freedom to serve and love, that belief in Jesus Christ, that it could be a launch pad for sin. But we can certainly do it. I read a verse this week. Um, it was in Genesis, and it blew me away. I'm going to misquote it. You can look it up later and correct me. I can't even tell you where it was exactly. It's like Genesis 6. God said, after destroying the whole earth, he said, man's heart is twisted and sinful from birth. I'll never, flood even, I'll never flood the earth again, even though men's hearts are twisted and sinful from birth. Don't use your freedom to indulge your sin. Here's another one, one last one. How about going out of town? You know what I'm saying? In a little town like Highland, everybody's in your business. Man, you go a couple states away, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? You guys with me? You guys are like, nope. I'm not answering that question at church. <laughs> That's right. Don't use your freedom. That's serious, man. Don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. These are times. So how? Now, I told you that I was going to give you the one step, the one step that will, well, let me just do this real quick. I want you to hear, let's run through in, in 19, because I don't want to miss this, the acts of the sinful nature. Paul says it's obvious, and you might know them too, but here they are listed out. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, listen now, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, and the like, as if that's, give us a list, Paul, and he's like, and stuff like that. You know what it is, your sinful nature. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't indulge a sinful nature. And, I, and I'm just like blown away, right, that we could use our freedom as a launch pad for sin. I told you the, the, the best step you can make, right, and it's become the next thing he's going to say here. And I'm going to throw it up here is what it is. But instead, walking around with God's spirit. That's it. But instead, walking around with God's spirit. Happens in verse 16. Read it with me. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Live by the Spirit. One life in Christ. Christ in you. Live by the Spirit of God. I love this, and I'm going to bore you with one more Greek word for the day. And I told you this before. I know I have preached this, but I can't stand it. I love this word. It's peripateo. You heard me say peripateo before? 
It means walking around. And rich, you know what it means? Like walking around a lake. That's why I think about walking around a lake, you know, walking around the city, walking around your house in the Spirit of God, in His presence, acknowledging that when you're in Vegas, God is with you in Vegas. That when you're in your house with the doors closed and the shades pulled, God is with you in the house with the doors closed and the shades pulled. If you walk around peripateo in the spirit of God, Paul says, you will not indulge the sinful nature. Man, that's awesome. And so I said, what's the most important step you can take in your life? I'll tell you what it is. It's the next one. The next step, literal, physical step you can take will be to acknowledge God's presence and acknowledge it again and acknowledge it again. And everywhere you go, you begin to walk around recognizing the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God. And it's not up there. And it's not for church on Sunday mornings. It's for your life. It's for everything that you have and all that we are. The Spirit of God goes before us and behind us, above us and below us. He is always with us, and we can walk in step with the Spirit. I've beat that enough, but I tell you, that will transform your life. That is transforming my life in Christ to walk in the Spirit. And you will not indulge a sinful nature. The sinful nature is obvious, and I tell you what, you can tell when you're out of step with the Spirit because you feel that. It's like wrong. You know it. No preacher has to tell you it's wrong. No list of sins in the Bible has to tell you it's wrong. You're out of the step of the Spirit of God. You're not walking with Him. The next step, most important, is to walk with Christ every day, everywhere. All right? So I say live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful nature. Because the sinful nature... Desires what's contrary to the spirit. And listen, the spirit desires what is contrary to your sinful nature. They are in constant conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're no longer under law. That's beautiful. Now I'm gonna get to the very last thing. So why would we want to walk around in the spirit of God? And here it is. So we can bear fruit as we grow. Bear fruit as we grow. I'm gonna list off. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law, Paul says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and his passions and desires. And since then, we live by the Spirit. Let us, listen to what the word says, keep in step with the Spirit. (laughs) Keep in step with the Spirit. And so the truth is, in our lives, we will bear fruit as we grow. The more we walk in the Spirit of God, the more fruit we will bear. It's a manifestation of his presence in our life. Just like a small tree doesn't bear fruit right away, but faithfulness, presence, God's nurture and care, and we will bear fruit. And those are the fruit. The Bible says, how will you recognize those that belong to Jesus? And what does he say? By the fruit. By the fruit. So examine your life. I examine mine. You can help me examine mine. See if there's fruit. And if there's no fruit, we got to deal with that. And if we're seeing fruit, we can praise God for that. Life in Christ. Well, I'm going to close there, but I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and we're going to pray. We're going to have the band come up and do a final song. But my question is pretty obvious by now. Are you walking in the Spirit of God? 
Are you really walking around in his presence in your life? And are, are there those areas of your life that you know you're gratifying the sinful nature? That you know God is calling you to stop that or start this or follow me or be obedient. We're going to give you a chance today to respond to that. We're going to pray that God would give us wisdom and insight into our own lives. We could rightly examine ourselves and that we would seek him out today. Please join me in prayer if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power it has over our lives. We do not want to be a kind of people that ask you to conform to our, us, but that we would rather be transformed by your word. May we have the courage to be honest with the choices we've been making, and may we seek you out as the solution to our sin problem. Father, for those here today that are struggling in their hearts, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would reveal truth to them, that no man would convince them, argue them into your kingdom or belief, but that your spirit would compel them toward the only hope they have, which is found in Jesus. And the only way that I and others here know it is because you revealed it to us and we did not deserve it and you saved us anyway and we give you praise and glory for that. Father, today, help us contend with this issue of walking around in your presence. Help us be obedient to your spirit's call. May the next step we make be in your presence and for your glory. May we have, always have that awareness, Father. And we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.